Christmas, but I think I'll miss this one this year. A Good Omens Fic, written by M. L. Trafry, read by Literarian. Chapter 2 Would have been good to go for lunch. April The flat in Mayfair was starting to feel stifling. It was still sparse and mostly utilitarian, but after a week inside, writing, recording a few demos to get back to Ligger and the others, Crowley was beginning to feel caged in. Ligger's voice was something else, smooth and beautiful, deep in a sensual way, easily what anyone would call tempting. Beer was the sort of drummer many strived to be. Huster, well, Huster had never broken a string to Crowley's knowledge, and that was something, he supposed. But none of that would matter if there wasn't a killer song for them to apply their talents to, and that's where Crowley really came in. Because unlike the others, Crowley had an imagination. He didn't need to be angry to write a song that expressed that rage. He didn't need to be in pain to supply an adequate amount of angst. And he'd never been in love, not properly, and yet they could top charts with their love songs. He had a vast amount of songwriting awards in his office to prove it. And yet. Yet. Being in love with someone he hadn't seen in literally three months, two at a stretch, they did meet at the end of January, was beginning to provide some heavily romantic and very angsty material that the demons didn't want anything to do with. It was, however, selling to other musicians spectacularly well. Which meant, of course, that there were so many people wanting him to fly here or there to help them with this album and that. The offers were bountiful, and since Bia and Ligger were currently bickering about bringing Dagon on as a full-time member of the band again, there wasn't anything getting done within the demons. And if Huster asked one more time if Crowley wanted to get together for a drink, maybe a jam, Crowley may damn well lose his mind. Still, did he really want to go out of town again? And nearly all of the best offers for co-writing were across the pond. He liked London. He liked England. But the money would be really good, and he could work out some of the success feelings through lyrics and melody. He needed to get some air, go for a walk, clear his mind so he could possibly make a bloody decision and get back to Tracy with a decisive answer as to where he was going to be for the next few weeks, if not longer. Grabbing his jacket, putting on his sunglasses, slipping on his snakeskin boots 
and Crowley glared in warning to his plans before heading out the door. He hadn't been at all surprised when his feet led him to St. James Park. Admittedly, since that encounter in January, he'd taken to walking there almost exclusively. Once in a while, he would wander into Hyde Park for a change, but he constantly worried that maybe that was the one time the person he wanted to see the most was feeding the ducks somewhere else. The crowds were thin, the dark clouds above threatening to open at any moment and unleash a downpour on unsuspecting tourists. He wasn't really any more prepared for the possible deluge himself, but it was always a bit funnier to watch people with the big, expensive cameras and their fanny packs go fleeing. As if they hadn't realized they'd chosen one of the rainiest places in the world to pay a visit to. Crowley weaved his way along the path, fingers in the pockets of his denim and a swagger to his hips that he really couldn't control, something that fit more when he looked more like the rock star he rightfully was. Though strangers who saw him would likely not know what to make of him. He hadn't done anything with his hair, so it hung a bit flat against his head, and he hadn't shaved in a couple of days, which allowed a nice layer of growth to form on his face, meaning that even the biggest fans of the band likely wouldn't pick him out of a crowd. He probably should have done something before he left. Crowley made his way toward the duck pond, prepared to watch the little bastards as they bothered some unsuspecting fool, when he stopped so suddenly he nearly fell on his face. Aziraphale! Aziraphale was standing exactly where Crowley tended to go, still looking exactly like some stereotypical professor without the elbow guards on the sleeves of his beige morning coat. He was wearing a waistcoat as well, paired with a tartan bow tie. His trousers were a shade of colour between the coat and the waistcoat, making the blue-collared shirt a pop of colour in the monochrome. He gripped the handle of a white umbrella as one would a cane, both hands resting on it, making him look that much more dapper. No one had the right to look that gorgeous while also being completely ridiculous, and Crowley very nearly took out his phone to snap a photo of him, just in case he would never catch a glimpse of the man again. But that was something paparazzi-like, and Crowley couldn't bring himself to stoop to that sort of low. He recalled how he looked, and very nearly turned around and went back to his flat so he could at least look somewhat like the successful man he was. Lucky for him, some higher function he could thank later had his feet moving forward with more confidence than he'd ever recalled faking before, ensuring he wouldn't let the chance of Aziraphale slipping away happen. As he came closer, the blond man glanced up.
then did a double take before his eyes positively lit up and a smile graced his lips. Anthony, he said with utter delight. Crowley's knees buckled a bit. Lo, he grinned back. Fancy running into you here. Yes, quite, Azzy Raphael replied. And how have you been? Oh, you know, Crowley replied vaguely, shrugging one shoulder. Working. Pretty much always working, really. You? I've been well, thank you, Azzy Raphael replied, the smile no longer reaching his eyes. I um, saw you on television back in February. Congratulations on your awards. You must be proud. Crowley blushed but shrugged. Yeah, guess. Your partner looked very happy for you anyway, Aziraphale added, and Crowley narrowed his eyes at him a moment, trying to figure out what the deuce he was on about. The, um, the fellow there that you went with. I'm afraid I don't recall his name. Oh, John! Crowley half yelled, startling a few of the waterfowl nearby. Oh, yeah, no, he's not... he's not my partner. I mean, he was, once, but we broke up last year. I just asked him to go with me then. See, Ligger always brings his wife, and Hoster tends to bring a friend of his. Bia and Dagan have been going together since... Fuck, I can't even remember. Since she first started touring with us? I just didn't want to go alone, you know? I suppose it is rather lonely otherwise. Aziraphale bowed his head, looking at his hands where he gripped the umbrella. Take it there aren't any sort of literary award shows where you would ask a former flame to tag along? Not so much, no, Aziraphale replied with a half-grin that went nowhere near his eyes. And if there were, I'm afraid I wouldn't have a former partner I could ask. The ones I parted with amicably all have new partners now, and those I didn't. Well, why in heaven's name would I ask someone I didn't part on good terms with to something like that? No, guess not, Crowley replied, trying his best not to remember the screaming fight that had ended with John storming out of the Mayfair flat, the smashed potted plant on the floor that was the victim of one of his great dramatic fits, and the vow Crowley made to himself never to date an actor again. So, no former flames. Are you seeing anyone now? That went, to Crowley's mind, about as smooth as a pumice stone, but he couldn't rightly think of a better way of approaching the subject. Award-winning lyricist praised for the way he could string words together in a poignant and eloquent way, and he stumbles on the most basic question. He watched as Aziraphale's eye crinkled ever so slightly, and a wicked smirk curled his lips. <laughs>
As a matter of fact, I am not. I've actually come from what was easily the worst date I've had in ages. Crowley blinked, then looked at his watch. It's bloody eleven o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. Yes, I'm aware. He's a friend of my agent. I mostly did it as a favor to him. The man was persistent to the point of obsession. I had thought if I told him the only time I was available was early on a weekday morning, then he would have to back down. Sadly, he agreed. No chance for the poor sap, eh? Oh, no, Aziraphale said emphatically. I'd met him at a writer's convention last year, though he is neither writer nor agent. He merely wanted to be there for the sake of it, though I can't understand why. He'd been hounding Gabriel, my agent, ever since, though I had never had an interest. I still don't, and to be frank, am even less willing to see him again. I had Anathema call me to fake an emergency. Ha! <laughs> Crowley barked. <laughs> what emergency happens that early in the morning? A problem with the register at the shop, which is next to impossible because the thing is an antique. My assistant manager, bless him, is inept with modern technology. While updating the system would certainly make things easier, I would hate to see what sort of damage he could do. Quite right, Crowley grinned. So... Crowley said a bit too loudly, earning a disgruntled quack from a mallet that he ignored. Bad date. Not doing anything or seeing anyone. I'm not doing anything or seeing anyone. Perhaps... Yes? Aziraphale smirked knowingly. Could I tempt you to a spot of lunch? Crowley asked. Aziraphale's smirk turned into a smile. Temptation accomplished. The pub they went to was the sort that served a proper English fish and chips and a pint that somehow paired well with the food without trying. In a corner booth near the back, Aziraphale and Crowley, please call me Crowley, no one ever calls me Anthony, carried on as though they'd been friends for years and not a pair of men that met exactly one other time. They talked about everything and nothing, a pint with lunch becoming two or three more, heading into dinner. Around them, the crowd waned and grew once more until their server came by and pointedly gave them their bills. She did so with a knowing smirk so reminiscent of anathema, Aziraphale was starkly reminded that he hadn't done a single bit of work, writing or at the shop, all day. Oh, he said as he looked at the slip of paper. I suppose I really should be getting on. I've been rather neglectful of my duties. 
he added with a quick upturn of his lips. Shit, suppose you probably wanted to get some writing done. Oh, it's no bother at all. Aziraphale waved Crowley's concern off. I'll go and let Newton and Alice head home. Close up. Do some writing this evening, if I can. Is it far from the shop to your home? Crowley asked as the two of them stood, each moving slowly to the bar to pay their tab. No, it's right above the shop, Aziraphale grinned. It's a bit small, only one room, really, but I'm rather fond of it. Admittedly, it looks almost like an extension of the shop, what with all the bookcases and their wares. But they were some of the original cases from when the shop first opened, and while I did have to modernize it for safety reasons, I simply couldn't part with some of the better ones. A one-room flat above your shop? Crowley asked as the bartender took their pound notes and bills to ring them through. Once they were given the wave that they could leave, they meandered to the doors. I mean, I know it's not really my business, but you're a best-selling author. There's bloody merchandise for your novels. You mean to tell me you don't make enough to afford something a little grander? Or is it a choice? Or you need to live there for trust reasons? Ah! Aziraphale blushed, even though he had nothing to be embarrassed about. They emerged out on the sidewalk, concrete beneath their feet stained darker from the earlier rain that mercifully had already stopped. Aziraphale looked up and down the road for no reason at all, then down at the handle of his umbrella. You see, yes. I suppose I would have made that much more over the years. The thing is, though, I... Well, the money. Most of... I... I give it away. Crowley blinked. Sorry, you what? I give it away, Aziraphale said with a shrug. I kept a good chunk, don't get me wrong, enough to ensure I would live comfortably if I never wrote another book again or even sold the shop. But I don't need big and fancy. I pay my employees more than a fair wage, anathema included. The rest? I give it to charities. Anonymously, of course, I would hate for it to get out on the internet that I donate as much as I do. I would rather not draw that attention. But yes, I... I give it away. Crowley stared at him with something like awe. His sunglasses had come off when they were inside and had yet to be replaced. It made Aziraphale shift his weight from one foot to the other, want to look anywhere else but at the beautiful man who seemed entirely focused on him. Please don't look at me like that, he asked with a sideways glance at Crowley. Like what? Crowley blinked, shaking his head subtly. 
Sorry, you're just so bloody selfless. Give it away? I know people with three houses because it never occurs to them that maybe they don't need it. Damn angel you are. Oh, please. Aziraphale rolled his eyes, but really couldn't help but smile from the warmth that surged through him. Much as I hate to... Let me walk you, Crowley offered, gesturing for Aziraphale to lead the way. Aziraphale turned toward the shop, leading Crowley through the streets in silence at first. So, he started... What's next for you, did you say? Not sure, Crowley sighed. <sighs> Still trying to debate if I want to go right with others or not for a while. Right, Aziraphale nodded, suppressing the need to tell Crowley he wished he wouldn't go anywhere, simply because he had no reason to say that. They weren't together. They weren't even friends, not properly. But, I mean, even if I travel, I could call you? Crowley offered uncertainly. Aziraphale stopped and looked at him, eyes a bit too wide. Oh, really? Crowley shrugged. Why not? Then... Smacking himself, yelled, Phone number! A woman passing them on the street looked at Crowley with uneasiness before hurrying along. What? Aziraphale asked him. Phone number. Mine, let me... Yeah, I could give it to you, that is, if you want it. Tension Aziraphale hadn't realized was building suddenly left his body and he grinned rather bashfully. I'd like that. Perhaps I could give you mine as well. Crowley took his mobile from his pocket so quick he nearly dropped it, fumbling with it as he did. After a few moments of his long fingers dancing around the screen, he handed it back to Aziraphale. Just, yeah, he said, gesturing to it, before attempting to stuff his hands in his pockets and looked anywhere but at Aziraphale. Once his contact information was given, Crowley took his phone and they continued walking in silence. It was only a little awkward, but if Aziraphale was honest with himself, he could admit he wouldn't have known what to say if he tried. Oh, he could have his hero give a declaration of love that had readers sighing wistfully that he was told many times over could be felt deep in their soul. Talking to a beautiful man whom he fancied quite a bit in real life, however, was next to impossible. So they spent that walk back to the shop, subtly stealing glances at one another and blushing and smiling when they were caught. Once at the little shop at the corner, Crowley looked up and his jaw dropped.
Seriously? He asked, pointing up at the simple gold lettering above the shop. Aziraphale grinned. Now, I'll have you know that A.Z. Fell, that would be Andrew Zachary Fell, was the original owner of the shop in the 1800s. The name remained, but for obvious reasons, the number isn't listed as such in the phone book. It's simply Fell and Co. Books and Sundry. Crowley giggled, shaking his head. <laughs> Suppose that's why it hadn't popped up when I googled you. Precisely, Aziraphale agreed. So perhaps we can do this again sometime? Perhaps soon? Yeah, Crowley replied. Yeah, definitely. Aziraphale smiled once more, then waved, going up the steps and entering the well-lit shop. Date went well, then. Newt greeted him with a hopeful smile. Aziraphale glanced out the window, catching a glimpse of Crowley as he walked down the sidewalk, away from the shop. I suppose that depends on which man I consider my proper date, he replied. While Newton stammered, he added, Go home, Mr. Pulsifer. I'll take it from here. Newton knew better than to argue, so he didn't. And Aziraphale spent the last hour of the shop's opening hours forming a dashing hero with red hair and golden eyes in his mind, not the least bit ashamed of where the inspiration sprung from. Music